I have an Earl Grey. Earl Grey for Jeremy. That's me right here. Thank you. That's good, actually. All right. <laughs> so, today uh, on the Lulz Cafe, welcome back. We are sitting here today uh, with my friend Esther talking uh, about just the world of dating and how it's changed in the 21st century. And uh, Esther is a student here at Moody Communication Students, and she is... Uh, well, I'll let you tell the story of how you got where you are. But first of all, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank today. you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So uh, let's jump right in. So you are currently dating someone. I am. Uh -huh. <laughs> so tell us how you met. Yeah. So you don't have to say his name in case he's like, I don't want to be on your podcast. Oh, but okay. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. You can you can make up another name if you want to. <laughs> I've always wanted to be Billy Bob. Billy Bob. Billy Bob. You're dating Billy Bob. I, I'm just going to say his name because I'm accidentally going to say it anyway. Okay. Um, his name is Vince, mm -hmm. and we actually met pretty unconventionally, which is uh, old family friends. Mm. So our parents met at church before we were even born, Ooh. and then we kind of— Was this an arranged thing? It was not, surprisingly. Okay. okay. Um, but we—yeah, we started dating right after the end of high school. Mm. But we had really not kept in touch super well over the years. We had done like Awana together and those mm. things when we were younger, but um, my family moved churches. We became part of a church plant. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of reconnected during high school and talked for a little bit back and forth and then started dating three weeks before we both went to college. Wow, that was a good decision. Yeah, yeah. We, we right after we started dating, we kind of looked at each other and we were both like, this is stupid. Like, <laughs> this is so stupid. And I remember he was like, so how does long distance work? Like, do I have to like call you? And I was like, if you don't want to, you don't have to. Wow. It, was, it was really- You're like, if you don't call me, we won't have a relationship. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was a very unusual start to a relationship mm. all all sorts of details and factors it just it didn't really make sense at the time but we both really felt like we wanted to move forward with it okay and so how long ago was that so that was the summer of 2020 a great summer to start dating someone. yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> i mean anything everything went online so i guess everything was online so what would be the difference but yeah well and even it was so funny because even when we were just hanging out in the weeks, weeks like leading up to dating, because we were best friends by the time we started dating, but everything was closed. So we went on our first date like six months after we started dating. We had never been like in a restaurant. Where did you go? Um, it's embarrassing, but we went to McDonald's. Oh. Okay. But we dressed up. We he wore like a suit. I wore a dress and heels. We went to McDonald's. Because that was the only thing you could find, or because you thought it was funny, or just that's what the two of you actually like to eat. No. So when we were. The day we started dating, we went on like a picnic together okay. with McDonald's. Oh. And so we had McDonald's like under a tree on okay. this hill. Oh. And that's where we started did you, dating. Did you carve up the tree with your initials in it and everything? No, okay. we didn't. Okay. <laughs> All right. We really should have, but it wasn't like. You no, know, destroy the environment. It's totally fine. <laughs> it wasn't like a super like romantic, like, will you be my girlfriend? Like, we had like a pretty serious discussion mm. about like, will we do this or not? Mm. So it wasn't. It wasn't really like that at all. We didn't even like, we like, he high-fived me. We didn't even like hug or anything. We just, it was okay. like, all right. You had me, you had me <laughs> I at know. the tree and the picnic and now you're high-fiving each other and I'm wondering if you're just a basketball team. Yeah. Okay. So, um, that was obviously no, almost three years ago. Two, two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. Right, we'll yeah. call it two and a half. And uh, since then, he lives where? So, we both live in the same t uh, hometown 
but uh, during the school year, he is at school at Biola University, mm-hmm. and obviously I go to Moody Bible Institute. Sure. So he is in LA, and I'm in Chicago. Sure. Totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Super Not easy. Even, <laughs> yeah, super easy. Not even different time zones. Wait, never mind. Um, okay, so uh, two and a half years, obviously probably seeing each other in the summer, yeah. uh, that kind of thing, and maybe on breaks, but a uh, good majority of the time, your experience then is mediated. Like yeah. somehow you are apparently maybe calling each other <laughs> if he will. Um, <laughs> sorry, Vince, I don't know you. I'm I know not he's going to give time. me such a hard he's time. Be like, why would you tell them that? <laughs> it's okay, Vince. We know you're – she's still with you two and a half years later. Oh, yeah. So there's got to be something there you're doing right. Uh, but you're also uh, – use video? Like yeah. video chat, that kind of stuff? We, we kind of go back and forth. We have this thing where if we're having a more serious discussion, we mm-hmm. call. And if we're just talking or hanging out, we FaceTime. Ah, it, it, because that seems that seems like kind of antithetical. Yeah. If so would, if I was having a real discussion, I'd want to see your face and be like, are you angry or why are you saying it this way? But then you're not. Yeah. So it's it's definitely one of those like isms that you kind of get over time. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've realized is that FaceTime is super distracting and you kind of can see yourself and like you can see them and like. Even sometimes, like, the people moving around them or the background, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. can be super distracting. And so I just – I think it didn't always be that way, but I, I kind of think that over time I've realized that when we're having a serious conversation, I just want to hear his voice. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be distracted by anything else. I just want to listen to him. And I want him to listen to me. Because sure. it's kind of annoying sometimes when you're in a serious conversation and then, like, a roommate will walk in or what it's it just kind of distracts a little bit but when you can really I feel like when I'm on the phone with him I know he's listening he's listening either way but when we when we're on the phone and there's no distraction uh I just find that's the best way to have a serious discussion okay but it didn't always it wasn't always this way yeah so there's definitely things that you kind of adapt and like you said two and a half years so you kind of you learn what works for you yeah well and and I've taken to multiple times now because I've been using Zoom for meetings and Zoom for, especially when I'm talking to one person, I actually realized I was distracted by seeing myself. Mm -hmm. And so I was asking the question to myself, like, what is it you need to know that you're looking at? Um, Are are you trying to check your facial expressions? Like, what, what are you looking at yourself for? And part of it was mostly just like, I just need to know that I didn't, you know, move out of the frame. Yeah. Like, oh, you're not even on camera anymore. The whole thing moved. So what are you doing? So I realized, like, okay, but you wouldn't have to see much of yourself to know that. So I actually minimized as small as I could make myself in the window so that literally it's like you're going to have to stare really hard to see yourself. <laughs> like, you know when you're out of frame because you can see it. But otherwise, like, you're not that interesting. Pay attention to them. Because it is a problem. It, it actually is. It, it is a problem because um, most online engagements most online mediated engagements start with this really bizarre thing that we didn't used to do as humans and now we're doing it we think it's normal but most of them whether it's posting to social media or doing facetime or whatever they started with looking first at ourselves Mm -hmm. so we look at ourselves and we go okay so i have to post something to social media and i have to ask myself tell me about me if Mm -hmm. i was in a conversation i'd say tell me about you but to start a conversation anywhere online i have to say well let me tell you about me first which is weird like if i walked into a room and go okay everyone i'm here and right now i'm sad you'd be like you okay man like (laughs) that's not normal like you just wouldn't do that in a room full of people 
you'd be like, what's up, everybody? How are you doing? You ask a question. There's some introductory language there that FaceTime acts in some ways more like, which is what you're experiencing, social media posts. Look and see yourself first because even when you log in, it shows you you first before it goes small. Like, so you see you're here, and I get it. It's necessary, but it's also not helping with our narcissism yeah the focus is on yourself first thing and the first thing that you do and i tell people this when they ask about like why i prefer a phone call when it's like a more serious discussion is because when you call someone or when someone facetimes you and you pick it up what's the first thing you look at and it's always going to be yourself yeah i think and even as like a girl maybe it's more of like a girly thing for me but i don't want to like notice those things or see those things while i'm trying to pay attention or I don't know. I just kind of prefer it that way. Yeah. And, and I, but also part of this comes back to what you just said, which is knowing yourself mm-hmm. and knowing like, hey, this does work or doesn't work for me. Or, hey, you know what? I don't uh, engage it that way. For instance, I've seen some people who tend to hack that by, and I was, with, I was working on something with somebody the other day, and they literally just set the phone down. I was on FaceTime with them. I set the phone down, so I'm staring at their ceiling. And it was like... <laughs> okay, why are we on video right now if I'm just looking at your ceiling? And it was like, I need to focus on what I'm doing. So it turned into a phone call, basically. Uh, And then they picked it up and showed me something. And it was like, okay, so you want me to see something? That's why we're on video, not you. Yeah. So it turned into this very like, okay, this is a, I need to help you, but not look at you. Yeah. So it can work, but you have to be much more attentive, to your point, of what am I using it for and how is it helping or not helping? Mm Mm-hmm. So, you've been communicating this way for years now. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, how's that going? It's it's going really well. I, I always tell people, probably the first, like, week after we started long distance, I felt like I was going to die. Like, it was so bad. And I just couldn't believe. I was like, people do this. Like, people actually choose to do this. And I just chose to do this. And it was, like, it was just like, awful. What's wrong with me? I know. I was just kind of, like... <laughs> It was so, I like I would like couldn't stop crying for like a week straight, and then and it, it really was hard. Even though we started long distance like pretty soon, he really was my best friend at that point. So even if we weren't dating, and I just kind of had like a little crush on him, and he went to college, I still would have been sad. Mm-hmm. But now it was oh we chose to do something, mm-hmm. and now I have to figure out how to do that. Yeah. So it definitely took a long time, and I would say that probably within the last year was when I've kind of felt like, oh, we have this down. Mm. Like we, we both can live our, our daily lives as individuals. And people hate it when I say this, but almost like single people, Mm. you have the full capacity of a single person. Mm. Like my time, like all all of that is uh, my schedule dictated by myself. And there's a lot of benefits in that. And I think we've kind of leaned into that a lot in addition to all the trust that's built up and just even the experience of it all, we really, I feel like, have it down in a lot of ways. Okay. So, um, but you've had experiences and had conversations with people who um, didn't grow up in this space and didn't have this you know, mm-hmm. kind of opportunity. So, for instance, um, my wife and I, when we were dating, there was no social media. Like, I think I got a mobile phone when we got married. So, like, it was like, okay, so none of this existed uh, when I started dating my wife and then when I even got married early on. So it wasn't a uh, I'm going to use social media or I'm going to use connected. So for us, it was very much like 
okay, if we had had to have a long conversation when I went somewhere or whatever, I mean, there were even periods, it's really funny, um, when my daughter was born where I would take, I was a youth pastor, and I'd take a group of kids to camp. And basically, like, I knew, okay, I have a phone for an emergency, but I have to be with, you know, 30, 40 kids, whatever, and a bunch of leaders. I can't just, you know, pop off, call you, and do whatever. So she would actually write me notes every day, and I still have them. And, and she'd write me notes every day from, you know, with pictures of her and my daughter. It was, you know, like one at the time. And, but like, literally, they wouldn't talk to me for, you know, six, seven days straight. And so it's a very different experience when it's like, no, I could have just called you and been like, hey, where are the keys? In the middle of, you know, Colorado. And I'm with a bunch of other people and be like, oh, the keys are on the dining room table. Like, oh, like, so that sense of this is a very different experience especially in terms of dating because you you wind up with more than just the traditional forms of communication Mm -hmm. interpersonal communication because you're also conveying a lot more meaning that is personal romantic things like that that and that may turn into hey this is my long-term you know person i might get married to person i'm gonna so so describe how what you as you've engaged that and then heard other people's experience how you think it's different dating in the 21st century yeah, so I I definitely think that our phones and the progression of technology play a massive part in how dating has changed. Um, I feel like a lot of it has been the introduction of social media and even just I don't know when I when I look back at like my parents' high school like yearbook. Sure. And you know, there's all the pictures of the kids in the cafeteria and all of that. No one's on their phones sure. and no one has them out. And I think that in our culture today and even within like a lot of my friends or just it's just kind of how it works now. I don't know hardly anyone that has started a relationship based off of like genuinely just like talking to them in person mm-hmm. exclusively. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as you the way it kind of works now, I feel like is as soon as you like someone you look at them on social media mm-hmm. and that's kind of you further evaluate instead of talking to them you further evaluate yeah, what you do your what, homework yeah you evaluate their <laughs> friends what they're what they're like and from that point i feel like people make a yes or no decision of like whether they continue liking them or not mm-hmm. and i avoided posting on social media all of high school i did not have one post because i was like i was afraid that if a guy liked me he would go to my instagram and be like oh well, da, 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 like what the, what the, what they always say so i avoided it completely but which is an interesting thing because uh, as I w- as I've been researching, studying, and, and starting to, I spent a long time trying to learn about all of you, your, your, <laughs> your age, and and one of the things I found fascinating was, so the first generation, you know, millennials and and kind of, yeah, o- older millennials and even younger millennials, and and I don't love generational categories, but that age group because I worked with some of them as a youth pastor, they. Uh, when social media started, they swung really far over and they posted everything. And what I noticed was that when Z came around, they had already watched either their older siblings or, you know, uh, cousins or whatever, or even, you know, people in their schools or whatever. And, and Z, Gen Z, your, your generation kind of had this notion of like, yeah, we better be careful because people aren't getting jobs or boyfriends or girlfriends or, because they posted stuff you all had this um whereas before it was almost like you all the the, the millennials had turned and figured out how to be we got to be our own pr person mm-hmm. most you of have your, to market yourself right most of your age said 
no, I'm not going to play the game. So I'm not going to post. So there isn't really anything to evaluate, which then shifted to, well, then how do I know who you are and how do I... So then it creates a different kind of response. So how did you get to, obviously, with Vince, but like, how did you get to that? Because if they're looking at it, there is no way to play detective and do any background checks on you. Yeah. So now I want to, like, I... It seems as though it almost was like, well, I, then they would have to revert to an older pattern of behavior in terms of how they get connected to you. Yeah, so it's kind of hmm, it's kind of hard because are, are you asking specifically about like for me, like how, how well, Vince... For you and for what you've seen with the people around you, like did they post more? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, I, didn't, I didn't see a ton. I saw a lot of hesitancy to post things because they watched a bunch of people and went, no, we're not doing that. Oh, yeah. And documentary after documentary about lives being ruined by sure. something they posted when they were, like, 13 yep. and, like, MySpace came out. But <laughs> I think that the biggest difference between even, like, like, a few years ago and now is that the amount of, like, curated, mm-hmm. like, pages is crazy when people first got instagram like you were saying it, they'd post the cup of coffee they had in the morning right they'd post like pictures anywhere and everywhere constantly and i think now if you go to like an average girl or guy's instagram there's just maybe like a few posts and they're all like their best pictures that have ever been taken of them <laughs> and like only that right and so even like the term catfishing which is like a new word mm-hmm. like that is is like another thing people worry about is like oh well and what i post online has to be good but also like people can't see me in real life and then be like eh. yeah. so it's just a whole it's a, it's a mess in a lot of ways and i think it's really affected how we even like are confident in ourselves in conversation or in just walking around people people worry about that and and basically maintaining their online image in person and that affects dating massively because people are way less likely to like go out and interact and even on like snapchat people people will i remember in high school this was crazy there would be like guys and girls snapchatting constantly like hours and hours a day like personal stuff and they wouldn't talk at school yeah like they wouldn't and there were some really bizarre (laughs) behaviors that i observed at the beginning like i had um i had students who were millennials and they posted all this stuff online. And, and I, you know, I'm like, oh, hey, you know, I'm your youth pastor. I'm trying to keep up on the stuff that's happening. And one girl broke up with her boyfriend on a Wednesday morning. And I noticed, like, oh, she broke up. Oh, that's too bad. And so I saw her that night. She came to youth group. And I'm like, hey, sorry here you broke up with your boyfriend. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, I had broken into her home, opened her diary, and read her personal private notes. And I'm like, you posted it on Facebook, everybody saw you broke up with your boyfriend. How do you not know that that's a thing? And she was like, oh, well, I don't want to talk about it in real life. And I was like, she's like, so if you want to say something, you can go say something on Facebook. So apparently I was like, so the only way I can tell you I'm sorry you broke up with your boyfriend is in the space. And that was actually a study that they were doing for a while, which was the expectation of most people when they play in an online space is that all of the communication and dialogue will happen in the same space. Mm-hmm. The moment you move to a different space, whole different set of rules. Oh, yeah. We can play. We can talk. We can be romantic. We can do whatever on Snapchat. And then we go to real life and we're like, no, no, no we, don't, we don't do that there. We only do it on text. We only do it on the social media. We only do it on the space. Wherever it started is where it has to stay. And mm-hmm. it's like this really interesting like bubble you created 
for how relationships work and they don't work in other spaces. So um, thinking through some of the things you've seen and for maybe maybe you would say, would you say that your experience was um, was typical? Or would you say that when you look at your dating experience through that lens and through that time period that you'd say, no, I looked around and I was having a very different experience than the people around me? I think I was having a wildly different experience. <laughs> wildly. I think in, in high school, I dated only one person in high school, but I think that that relationship was like the most typical like Gen Z high school relationship possible mm -hmm. in every way. And I think from start to finish, Vince and I have just had a very different story. And even like you were just saying about um, when it starts in that space, it stays in that space. Part of like what I've realized is so crucial, even as I've done long distance, is when you are dating someone, especially in our generation, there is going to be an online space and mm -hmm. there is going to be an in-person space. And so finding the consistency of it's, it needs to be the same in both. Mm -hmm. How we interact on our phones and how we interact in person need to be as, as close as possible to the exact same mm -hmm. thing. And so I, I think my experience has been wildly, wildly different than almost all my peers, even the ones who are doing long distance. Yeah, and in that sense... And, and please don't hear this. I'm not, not saying this is a judgment. So anybody struggling with this, not that. But the, the consistency of a person across mediums is actually integrity. Mm -hmm. So that you are, and, and by integrity, I don't mean you lack integrity, you don't have it. I mean that you hold together as a singular person instead of having multiple persons sharing mm -hmm. in multiple spaces. In this space, I'm this person. In this space, I'm this person. They never meet. What you wind up with is, is, is a double mind. You have to remember, I'm playing this role over here and I'm playing this role over here. I can't be myself because myself is fractured mm -hmm. in multiple mediated environments. I can't actually have a level of, uh, hey, I'm me. Mm -hmm. So when I say integrity, I don't mean integrity like you're you know, a dishonorable person. I mean a person who's whole, a person who's together, a person who can be the same in each space not being afraid that if I'm this person over here, it's not going to work, but it will work over here. There is this sense of, can I be me in all of these spaces rather than having to be a piece of me in 10 spaces? Mm -hmm. I think that one of like the biggest aspects of that or one of the hardest things to deal with within that is that people have extreme FOMO and people also love to like everyone else there's like safety in being like everyone else mm -hmm. and so i think even on like the social media world or on the online like that integrity is really hard to find because everyone is different in person and different online now so it's hard for you to make the decision to be consistent across the board because no one else is sure and 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 let me be clear i'm not suggesting that there aren't parts of your personality that tend to come out more in a particular environment you feel more comfortable sharing in some yeah, place one or the other that's not what i'm saying i'm not saying that there isn't pieces or parts of you that hey uh, this is a space that i do feel safe or comfortable with these people and that only tends to happen in this kind of maybe it's a live small group maybe it's an online you know um discord chat and this is the only place i can talk to these people about this thing i get that that's not a lack of integrity that's there's some things you just can't share in different spaces but what i'm arguing is so back in the 90s, it was 
yeah, I want to say mid-90s, a book came out uh, called Life on the Screen by Sherry Turkle. And in it, Turkle was actually arguing that uh, for, positive, this is going to be great, that people will get to experiment with their personality and figure out the parts of them that they like and don't like. What she since said is basically like, yes, but we're fracturing. We're splintering. So it's not a, like, oh, no, it's, you know, get to play and try out different things for different people in different places. It's not that. It's that you're actually breaking into pieces and then trying to uh, say, but which piece is me or not me or becomes much more problematic when I look around and go, I'm 15 different people for 15 different uh, mediated environments. How do I get back to a sense of integrity and say, hey, here's what I'm willing to do. And, and my argument would be the only way you're going to get back to integrity is to know yourself in your body mm-hmm. in real life. You know that, then you start knowing because then I would say this in this space or then I would say this in this space because it still comes back to who am I in this space, time, body. You are here. So to disembody yourself on a regular basis tends to fracture a bunch of stuff and it has some of the implications that we're seeing about anxiety, about depression, about um, isolation and Mm -hmm. feeling alone, Uh, which is why the people are seeking this stuff out when they're dating. It's like, I'm trying to find somebody to connect to and... um, and why they'll use, hey, you know what, I don't know how to do that. So they'll use dating app, they'll do whatever to say, hey, I just got to find somebody I can relate to in whatever space and whatever time that works. Let's make it happen. Yeah. I feel like there's so many people in today's world that like are dating and they really don't have a lot to go off on. Like I, I and this isn't for everyone, obviously, but there's been relationships where I've seen and I feel like they really were just lonely in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. which is super sad. And it kind of comes from a place of like, even like they'd be great as friends. I think think also the way that social media has idolized the dating relationship has added a lot to the conversation as well. Because now part of like that image or that splintering comes this desire that some, sometimes like I feel like people don't even really necessarily want to date, but they want to date. Like, you know, it's it's part of the They like the idea of a boyfriend or girlfriend more than they like the boyfriend or the girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that is what is, yeah, it's contributed to really like low level of commitment, low levels of communication, all of those things. And, and that's why I, I feel like relationships are so different now where you really have to clarify when you're asking someone about their relationship, like, is it serious? Which sounds like a, it should be like a dumb question. Like if you're dating them, like it should be serious on some level, mm-hmm. but people like platonically date almost mm-hmm. where they just kind of like, you're not really dating, but you are, but it, it just is a really weird. It's, it's a placeholder so that I don't, I, I have a, a void filled, but I don't actually have to, you know, feel like I've made any emotional connection or commitment. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's a really, it's a really strange thing to be to, to almost use someone, or even when I think about it, like, spiritually, like, as brothers and sisters in Christ, like, sometimes I just feel like we use each other in that way of just kind of, like you said, like a placeholder, almost just, like, just for a short amount of time when we have a desire that comes up, we, we seek to fulfill it immediately, which mm. is really sad. So in your experience and even the people around you's experience, um, have they had experiences in online dating? Yeah, so I personally have never been on a dating app or used a dating app, but um, I feel like majority of my friends have, and there is a lot of 
I've seen a lot of relationships that have gone really well that yeah. started on a dating app. Yeah. Like it's, I think it's important whenever approaching that topic to acknowledge that healthy online dating is a possibility. Sure. And it might not be the most common outcome, but it is a possibility. Sure. And there are marriages, happy marriages Absolutely. as a result of online dating. But I still think it's an important topic to talk about because a lot of times it's not true. And I think people go into it really without really realizing the consequences that it will have on themselves or on others. And it, it really can be a dangerous space, I believe. Yeah, and I think I think the better ones are recognizing like there is some uh, level of connectedness based on certain factors that you can actually understand. Hey, these personalities tend to go together. These, you know, um, types of people tend to go together. Like you know, a joke like, if you're the oldest kid, you probably want a youngest kid to marry, you know, whichever male or female, like you probably want because the, or, or at least the middle kid, like two oldest kids don't normally get married because then some, who's in charge? Like both really bossy. And how's that go? And I have a couple of friends that are actually two oldest kids and they work it out. And and so I want to be careful because often the, the sell for online dating is uh, we can do tests that will match you, put you together with people that are obviously compatible with you. And some of that's true to a point, but it also conveys the idea that, well, there would be people that are incompatible with you. And my sense is, yeah, I don't know if that's all. I mean, I'm sure there are people like that, but the notion of compatibility then turns into, um, well, we can break up because we're not compatible. And it was like, maybe you just didn't try. Maybe yeah. you didn't work it out. Maybe you didn't commit. Maybe you didn't communicate well. A lot of those things are you know, some of it's like making a good decision. Some of it's just like, yeah, but we're committed to each other and we're going to work it out. So uh, in thinking that, and I, and I agree with you because in some ways, like I have had several people I've known who met through online dating, got married in good marriages. Everything's great. Fantastic. Uh, but I've known quite a few other young people who've had not great experiences. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a, hey, let's meet somebody. They're close. Let's see what happens. And then it was like, yeah, that, that did not, and partly that's because we present ourselves better online than we would in real life. And you can see someone out in a public place and go, yeah, probably not for me, but in an online space, they can put whatever they want up because they are curating an image. Like here's totally. who I want and here's how I want to be presented. And so here's how I want this to look. So in online dating, because that is a, um, it is a mixed bag. And I will say it's a mixed bag live dating too. So please don't hear me saying online's <laughs> online's, just not going to work if you go out and find people it'll work it's not you know a cherry pie either that's not going to be great everybody's going to love it uh, so in thinking that through though what um what have you seen that you thought this is the benefits of finding people that way and then the parts that you're like hey this this thing really seems to be a problem in the people that i know and that are doing it yeah so i think one of the more obvious benefits of online dating is really the amount of people that are online sure. dating. So um, a lot of times as I've gotten older, I've even seen this is that it can be really hard, especially in a world like post COVID or just post a lot of things where you just don't interact with a lot of people sure. and you can go to church and go to work, but you really don't get to meet new people or it can be hard to find someone. Sure. And so online dating can be helpful in the way that you can find a lot of people sure. and you can probably find a lot of people that you'd really like and that would really like you. Sure. And so there's benefit in that obviously, but I think that some of the more 
um, dangerous parts of online dating. One of my big ones is that you really have zero opportunity to be friends first. Mm. Like it completely eliminates the stage of where you can just kind of get to know someone without commitment and in a healthy way that even could just result in a friendship. Because, I mean, there's been times in my life, um, even before Vince, where I really like, I I liked a guy and he liked me and whatever. And you just kind of stay in this space where you don't need to talk about it for a while. And then you end up being like, no, like we're going to be friends. And and it it turns into a great friendship. Um, But when you online date, you don't have the benefit of that. And I think also just, I, I just hate it. But even the concept of like swiping through people. And, like, it's one thing to swipe on social media and just, like, kind of see what your friends are up to or celebrities or news. But to open an app, and people will sit and do this for hours, and just kind of, like, swipe people based on basically how they look and maybe a few of the interests they have that are listed. And I just think that does something to people. I I really do. Um, Because you're saying it's almost like you've reduced them to the image that they're that they are of themselves obviously created and in that process made them and this is really my bigger problem with the swipe culture component is you've made them all um uh a flat mm-hmm. so in essence when we describe people we have to be really careful because you can describe people using what has been referred to as a thin description um, Esther, you're just a girl, or Esther, you're just a college student, or Esther, you, when we say the words just, you've basically taken a whole person and made them down to one or two things about them that you think are the most important thing. Um, you know, Pettit, you're just an old white guy. Okay, great. That's really helpful for me in terms of, like, I'm really reduced, and, and now I'm stuck with stereotypes that I don't even think most of the time apply, and, mm-hmm. and I've got to live with that because you're using reductionistic very thin descriptions of me rather than using more thick descriptions which is tell me about yourself and often those are in conversation and not just so when we we use something flat like a picture or even you know a quick profile that we are making a choice on we are reducing to a very thin description what this person is or isn't about now i recognize that uh humans are visual people yeah. And, and I recognize also, and, and this would be something some people may disagree with, there are universal principles for beauty, uh, generally centered around symmetry. Mm-hmm. So um, I get that. And, and I get that there's a, like, that person's attractive, that person's not attractive. Okay, to, to you. Some people will say, well, that's just about your culture. Eh. Even most cultures, babies can recognize what's an attractive face or not attractive face based on symmetry. But... If I take you and I reduce you to a picture and then I treat you like um, a deck of playing cards that I yeah. can <laughs> and it's not even really even a deck of playing cards it's almost like uh, uh, a, 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 a thing that I can throw away because the act of doing it essentially throws that person away that sense of never to return to your okay that thing right there that moment that you did that um does two things that are kind of dangerous one is you threw them away which means you think it's which not helping our narcissism uh throwing away as many people as you'd like to throw away because i can Mm -hmm. i am the center of my universe and everybody can be thrown away because they're all just here to serve me okay not helpful Uh, but on top of that 
Um, you are feeding an algorithm that is trying to figure you out and continue to deliver to you the things that it wants. And some of those are n not coming out of the better part of your nature. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> some of those are coming out of the more broken parts of you. Yeah. And so that sense of like the algorithm fed your brokenness over a long period of time and you're just not even paying attention to it because it will feel good that it keeps delivering guys that you're like or girls that you're like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Okay. Your, your algorithm is reinforcing your brokenness. I don't think we need more of that in our lives. So that's why I often talk to all of you about uh, being a predator and not prey. Like, mm -hmm. think clearly about what you're trying to get to. So be the predator. Make it do what you want it to do. You are in charge and you are on top of this. But if you just do whatever it does by default, you will play the game and it will keep delivering you whatever it is mostly that's broken about you that will wind up isolating you and bringing you into situations that are not healthy. That's the part that I'm... And so I think you can attack this, for lack of a better word, and think through how you use a dating app more intentionally to get to better results to say hey these are the kinds of things i'm not interested in doing and these are not going to appeal to that side of me that is broken hurting um probably a little dysfunctional to start thinking through what is it i'm actually after and be intentional about that so that if you had to go look and make choices the choices that you're making even in that experience are consistent with the values and the things that you're trying to come at yeah i i think that i really i agree with all of that and i i also really like your point about making people flat because there's this one show on youtube that i it cringes me out so hard but i love it <laughs> it's like it's called tinder in real life and they basically get a bunch of strangers together and they get like a little fake box that looks like the tinder thing and they basically have like a line of girls or guys come through and people swipe them and what you see when you watch it is first of all how rude tinder would be if it's in real life because sure. yeah. it's pretty rude and yeah. that's where the cringe comes in where yeah. you're just like i can't believe that like it's awful but what's so interesting to me is that sometimes like a guy or a girl will swipe on someone and then they'll kind of talk for a little bit and then the conversation's kind of flowing and it's like it's just so clear to me that one of the one of the worst things that online dating does is it really it even just your personality your god-given personality is just squashed so flat and so a guy will swipe on a girl and then they start talking and he's like, she's the funniest girl I've ever met in my life. And then at the end of the show, he gets to like pick like who he's going to go on like an all expenses paid date with. And he'll like pick someone he swiped. And it's just because like when you when you get to know someone outside of the image they're trying to portray, mm -hmm. that's when you really get to know them. And so I think that's one of the nicest parts about conversation or about like. I love it when I see like strangers having conversations sure. or people just talking. It just makes me happy because even outside of the dating world, I just think humans are made to talk to each other. Sure. Yeah. And that, and that was when Turkle flipped it around and basically afterlife on the screen kind of did this 180 where she was like, this is not working. <laughs> she wrote a book it's called not alone. Good. <laughs> she wrote a book called alone together, which was good because it was basically saying, here's where our problem. And her first response, to the next book was um, the book's called reclaiming dialogue. Her next is reclaiming conversation. Like, how do we get back to talking? Yeah. If we can talk to each other, we can figure out most of these things. So talk to me a little bit about how that works for you and Vince in terms of you're talking, but you're a long way away most of the time. How do those conversations work or how do they go? Yeah. So 
It's definitely, like I've said before, it's definitely a process figuring out what works for you and every single couple's different um, in every stage of their relationship. But I think that when I pick up the phone and when we talk, generally the first thing we kind of talk about is just your day. Mm -hmm. We just kind of talk about what we did, who we saw, anything like that. And then normally we just kind of talk about what we're thinking about. I, f I feel like um, conversation is really hard for a lot of people and I'm a big talker. Vince is less of a talker than I am. <laughs> so I feel like I do. No. <laughs> I stop. All right, wait, wait, wait. Can I ask you a question now? Yeah. Do you have a scheduled time of day? Not really, no. Okay. We do schedule times though, but so, there's not a consistent, like you call me at eight or else. Yeah. So there was one study that was done and I know there's some people that would challenge this and I'm not saying it's true across the board for all that hate male gender, the female gender, but the one study was done that basically kind of came to the conclusion that uh, the male gender tends to have about 10,000 words in a day <laughs> and the female gender has about 30,000. So I probably have 50. Right, right. And, I, and you know, I'm, I talk to my wife all the time, so I probably have more than 10. But but the point is, at some point, there is a, hey, I hit like 15, so you can keep talking and I'll listen, but I don't have much to say now because now it's, I'm out of words. Like, I've used a lot of words today, and this probably varies both on extrovert and introvert, hence your 50. But, like, knowing that about each other and just knowing, like, hey, if I have a conversation with my wife in the morning, it's sometimes different than my wife in the evening. Yeah. And knowing, like, you're going to be more in a space of, um, hey, let's talk about the day. Let's plan. There's energy. End of the day, more like reflection and review, so usually a little more chill when I'm talking at the end of the day than when we're talking at the beginning of the day. Yeah. I feel like... For, like, Vince and me, it's kind of flipped, where I feel... Actually, I shouldn't even say that. At any given time, I can probably talk for an hour straight. Sure. Without without any... Even even a given topic. Vince I is going to point to this podcast and prove it. So, okay. Yeah, I know. And he'd agree. But I feel like Vince generally, just with his personality, he has more to talk about at the end of his day. Mm. So after he's gone to all his classes and hung out with people or whatever, that's when he kind of, like, has things he wants to discuss. But he, he really is a... If you meet him, he's he's not shy, but he's quiet. Mm -hmm. And I that's good for me because there's times where I'm hanging out with like a guy friend or just like a group of people and we're talking and I'm like, oh, we're fighting each other to talk. Like mm -hmm. we're just talking mm -hmm. over each mm -hmm. other. We have the same personality. Sure. And I'll tell Vince on the phone, I'll say, thank you for being the quieter one in this relationship because <laughs> I don't know how I'd be able to handle that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's true. And, 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 but that's also one of the things you don't learn about unless you're in dialogue. Yeah. Like you don't find that out just by looking at a picture. You don't find that out just by looking at a profile. Even if they say I'm an introvert, that doesn't mean the same thing. Not uh, at and, all. And, and I'm not sure that that's even, that's a really sketchy category even to think about in terms of introversion and extroversion. I think there's something to it, but I think that it's, um, like I always tend to say I'm a situational extrovert. Yep. So like in the right <laughs> situations, I'll be an extrovert. In the wrong ones, I'm like, yeah, I'm not talking to any of you. So knowing that about myself, like which situations will I talk and won't I talk? Um, but but even getting to know that in relationship with another person, how are we going to work this out? When are you probably going to listen? What's the better time to talk? Uh, and knowing, okay, in conversation, here's how I'm going to get to know you best. So as we're wrapping up here, do you have any practical suggestions for people? young people who are dating and having to deal with some of the online stuff that's going on 
uh, whether that's in an app online dating discussion or even long distance and having to mediate that to know that because I mean let's let's be clear some of this is happening no matter I, I commute a long way in I commute about an hour and a half in every day and so it's an hour and a half back and I probably spend a good chunk of that on the phone with my wife so I'm mediating my conversations with my wife because I'm not with her in person now the conversations happening in real time so that helps it's synchronous but that doesn't mean necessarily that I can see her face or know when she's getting upset. Mm-hmm. So it's really trying to pay attention. And I'm in Chicago traffic, so I'm also trying not to die. <laughs> so there's there's a little bit of like give and take, like, hey, I know where you're at and what's going on. But do you have any practical suggestions for young people either in online dating or mediating their communication because they live long distance or have to commute or do whatever? Yeah. So as someone who's not super experienced in the online dating world and has really only seen that through my friends' experiences, I feel like I'm super not qualified in some <laughs> ways to give advice on online dating. But I, I'll give long distance advice to anyone who asks. And I think my biggest advice to any couple who is dating long distance is to never, ever, ever fight over text. And there was a time that I was at I was at a grad uh, grad party this summer, and there was a bunch of guys there who graduated, and they were about to like go to college and do long distance. And I said, "Oh, I've done I've done long distance for two years. Like, ask anything." And they were like, "Oh, well, well, like, what what's your biggest piece of advice on long distance?" And I said, "Don't fight over text." And they were shocked. They were like, "How do you fight then?" And I was like, "Pick up the phone." Real life. Yes. <laughs> and I think one of the most important things to recognize about long distance is that. Uh, as with any technology, um, like communication, you're in two different spaces. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that when I'm in my day and I'm doing my thing here and Vince is in his day and he's doing his thing there, when you talk, you don't know how each other's day has been. Mm-hmm. And that's the same for like any like couple who like at the end of the day comes home, they could have sure. completely different days. Yep. But during long distance, you're kind of flying blind in that. And so that's why I say, don't fight over text is because when you do that, you basically take away a massive part of the person who's there. Mm-hmm. So if, and even this was a big thing for the start of us, like online dating, not online dating, but like online dating as a terms of maintaining the relationship is that when we talk over text, it became clear pretty quickly that if we ever got into a disagreement, we could not talk about it over text mm-hmm. because you can't see the person, you don't know how their day is, you don't know what they're feeling. And it could, it could just be a disaster, it, seriously. So, yeah, and, and with to, anyone. To be, to be clear, right, I, I would agree with anyone. And I've actually even encouraged, even in business relationships, the notion that um, if you're going to use any text-based, I mean email, I mean Slack, I mean uh, not just text messaging, but those, those types of mediums are really good for exchanging information. They're terrible with anything relational, uh, emotional, or in your statement conflict like the key component to them is they're all missing tone then i learned this really early on i was on an aol chat with a couple of students and i just chatting having a good time talking whatever uh i made a sarcastic comment i was goofing around and they said some stuff and then i got knocked out basically (laughs) it just kicked me out so i saw them the next day and they're like why were you so angry last night and i was like i wasn't angry at all i was having a good time like what what are you talking about and they're like, you sounded mad. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh. So very early on, it became apparent, like, there's no tone. You can't tell how I'm actually feeling. So if I have a fight or any kind of, even emotion, like, I'm sad, 
that doesn't translate on text because I can't hear tone in your voice. I can't hear the energy. I can't even hear rhythm and speed, which are both things that convey things. Like, hey, you're talking fast, so you're obviously bothered. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I just like, okay, whoa, hold on, something's wrong. I can't see or hear that on text. And all the emojis in all the world are mostly just designed for um, deflection. Mm-hmm. They don't actually convey what you're feeling or thinking. Yeah. They're put there either as a way of not talking about it, which is not helpful. So I would wholeheartedly agree. Just, okay, we're done on this. Hey, this needs to go to a call. Um, even if it's on business, somebody sends an email and you're like, this is not just about information. Yeah. So all the information in the world. You want to send me my flight plan. You want to send me my travel package. You want to send me my whatever. You're going to tell me when we're meeting tomorrow. Fantastic. Do not do anything emotional or relational on text because you lose so much in it. So yeah. Hundred percent agree. And I think one of the biggest one of the biggest things within that is that it's super important to remember that what sounds angry or ha- like you you really do have no way of knowing, and you can decide to hold each other accountable to that. Yeah. So there's times where we send each other a text, and one of us will say to each other. Are you sure you're not angry? Because if you're angry, we're going to stop texting now. And we'll call in like 10 minutes, but we're going to stop texting now. So you really can hold each other accountable to committing to not do those things. So for Vince and I, it was really like a formal commitment. Like we will not fight over text, period. So I encourage every couple, long distance or not, to do that. Okay. Anything else? I don't think so. Okay. Well, it was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for showing up and talking about this. And Vince, if you're listening, she did a fantastic job. (laughs) She didn't say anything off the air conversation. She was wonderful. So uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. And if uh, you have more questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at profpetit at gmail.com. That's P-R-O-F-P-E-T-T-I-T-T. Yes, it's four T's at gmail.com. Not yes, it's four T's. (laughs) Don't write that in the email. profpet at gmail.com and and love to hear your questions love to hear insights thoughts about the conversation and if you have an experience love to hear that as well so thank you so much for joining us today we hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week